His name's John. It's John. His name is John. It's John. The next shoot. His name is John. He's here for some headshots. His name is John. Remember this. John. It's John. Okay. Got it. Sure? Yes. Got it. John. His name is John. Hi, James. Come on in. Oh, bugger. Welcome to my life. This is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I tell you this stuff, uh, but this has been an affliction I've had all my life. Yeah, an inability to recall names. And that is actually a real story. I really did sit at my desk with my calendar in front of me, waiting for my client, going, it's John, it's John, it's John, it's John. And as I fumbled my way down the stairs and opened the door, somewhere it changed to James. I've changed the names, but you get the point. Uh, I've always been like that. I've never been able to remember people's names. Um, and it really does affect me. It actually makes me quite nervous when I'm shooting because I know by the time we finish the shoot, uh, the chances of me remembering even just a couple of people's names are pretty thin. Um, I don't know why I'm sharing this stuff, possibly because uh, I suppose having those uh, weaknesses in your setup or in your psyche uh, would hopefully give other people encouragement if I can deal with this stuff. Uh, then so can you. Uh, welcome to this podcast. This podcast, the subject of this podcast eventually, uh, when I get round to it, will be about why. Why are you taking a photograph and what to think about? Uh, but before that, it's time for an update. I haven't done an update uh, podcast for a while, so there's quite a lot to do. Uh, the first thing, um, I'm sitting here in front. It's late at night. It's 20 to 12 at night, and I'm still in the studio. It's been a busy week. It's always a busy week here, uh, but there is an awful lot going on. Uh, so some basic updates. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at a fairly new Cintiq Pro, a Wacom or Wacom Cintiq Pro 16, the 29, the 2019 version, the high-res version, uh, having an absolute ball with this thing. So um, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned in a podcast the other day, I do like a cash converters. Uh, and I went in and bought a, a Cintiq, but a cheap older one, uh, just to see if it was worth me persevering and getting a newer one. Enjoyed using that, did go out, bite the bullet, bit the bullet, and bought this this new one, a 16-inch version, but the high-res version, having an absolute ball with it. Now, I'm struggling a little bit to get it into the workflow. It's a little bit clunky at the moment uh, because I haven't quite figured out where to sit it on the desk, where to have my keyboard, uh, where to have auxiliary keys. So when you're using modifiers like Alt and Space to move around an image, those kinds of things. So I've tried various, various solutions to that, none of which have been particularly successful. Uh, however, having a pen in my hand and being able to actually draw accurately on the surface, on the image itself, is just amazing. It's taken me straight back to my childhood when I used to always have a pen in my hand or a pencil in my hand and would always be doodling and then roll that forward uh, to my time studying industrial design. I wasn't a good industrial designer. I never became an industrial designer, but I never lost the love of drawing and doodling and designing. So suddenly I've got this fantastic thing in front of me. Um, I, I've had an iPad Pro for a while with the pencil that came with that, but somehow that's, it's okay. But the sensitivity on the pencil and the pencil surface on the iPad Pro isn't great. But this thing, this thing is magic with the etched glass uh, and these highly accurate pencils now, pens, 
It's got something like 8,000 levels on it, and it's just beautiful. And I'm sure once eventually uh, I get my head around it, it'll pay back in spades. Right now, of course, it's doing exactly the opposite because it's a new bit of kit. It's sat in my workflow. So guess what? Everything is slower. <laughs> it's really good, and the quality is amazing, but it has slowed me down uh, considerably. However, um, it was good. So I've, we've just returned from working on a cruise and it was brilliant having the Cintiq on the ship because finally I have a screen that I can get up close and work with that's really accurate and when I'm close to it I can see all the tiny little details whereas work, when I'm working on my laptop I find that really hard uh, although I used to take a tablet onto the ship it wasn't the Cintiq it didn't have the screen in it and so I'd kind of cobble bits together I'd have my iPad Pro as a second monitor and I'd have my laptop as my prime monitor uh, well now of course I've got the Cintiq as my prime monitor and the quality on this thing is just exceptional so I hope eventually that will translate into um, more Oh, a higher quality retouching I suppose uh, certainly at the moment it's just bogging me down but I'm absolutely loving it uh, we have just come back from a trip uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know myself and Sarah uh, we work with Crystal Cruises I'm a master photographer there are six or seven photographers working out of the UK uh, for this incredible cruise company and we get to bomb around the world a couple of times a year taking uh, portraits of uh, Crystal Cruises clients, which is just incredible. And this last trip, we started in Rome and went to Athens via Israel, Cyprus, Rhodes, Santorini. We went to um, Pompeii, so we were based in Sorrento uh, for one of the days, uh, went across to see uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum, which is just amazing. So it's a fantastic thing to do. And while we're on the ship, of course, we're actually working uh, and winning clients and, and uh, photographing both locations, but mostly taking portraits and having a really good time. Um, I think the coolest thing that happened while we were in uh, Santorini this time, which is a beautiful bit of the world if you get a chance to go, is I was asked to take some portraits of the captain, Captain Berger and his wife, Dana which is an honour, it's a real honour. Uh, but the coolest thing was, uh, he's a really, he's a, he's a photography fan too, he's a Nikon shooter. Uh, he gets, of course, to travel around the world taking pictures. Um, and so he was always into what we were doing and he's really curious and he offered to turn the ship so that we could have better light on one side or the other. How cool is that? Uh, usually you're completely at the behest of where the sun is and where the buildings are, but suddenly I'm on a ship and I, because I'm photographing the captain, he very kindly offered, if I wished, for him to turn the ship so that I could get the lines of the sun to go in whichever direction I wanted relative, relative to it, which I just thought was really cool. Uh, we turned him down. We turned him down because uh, we didn't think it was necessary. Uh, I had everything I needed, but I just think that was the coolest thing. Uh, and anyway, throughout that trip, the Cintiq slotted into our workflow really beautifully. Uh, what a, and uh, what a wonderful thing. And hopefully you get to see some of those uh, pictures. Uh, before we went on the cruise, as all part of this update, we had our first foray into standing in a cold field selling our wares, by which I mean uh, we did um, Tame Foods Festival. So there's a food festival that goes on in a town just down the road here. And we uh, 
set up as one of the suppliers uh, selling our wares. So we got ourselves a gazebo. It's all branded up and I'd modelled this all in SketchUp. So I've got 3D models and know exactly how it's all going to hang together, where the branding's going to go. Uh, we've branded the Land Rover. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we did finally get to put the vinyls on the Land Rover. It looks great. Uh, I've got to go out and photograph it because it does look absolutely amazing. Talk about the wisdom of crowds. Uh, when I put that particular question on Instagram, little did I know just how right everyone would get it because the design that uh, people picked out is absolutely brilliant. It does look really good. And the guys that did the vinyls for me, it just looks beautiful. So I designed the gazebo, how it's all going to hang together, the big graphics we were going to have. Uh, so we rocked up on the Friday evening to set up ready for the Saturday. And it was like the stormiest day ever. And luckily, because I've not done this before, Luckily, I had the sense to watch what other people did. So we set our gazebo. It was a brand new gazebo. Came out of his bag. It's got some pegs and some bits of rope uh, that are going to hold this thing down. And I watched, there was a seafood uh, seller selling cockles and mussels and things like that set up next to us. And he was clearly a hardened um, festival goer. He knew exactly what he was doing. Rigged his gazebo, not a dissimilar gazebo to ours, but he immediately got a big bunch of big, solid ratchet straps. These huge straps with ratchety handles on them that can hold tons of workload. And he hooked them on. He put some huge, great stakes into the ground, ratcheted the straps up. His gazebo was going nowhere. And I looked at his gazebo and I looked at our little bits of string that appeared to be going to hold ours and the little pegs they'd given us in the bag. And it became quite a clear, it became quite clear quite quickly that if we didn't do something a little bit more substantial than that, my gazebo, our gazebo was headed off across the field overnight. It wasn't going to survive. So myself and Kenny, who was with us at the time, um, hung on to uh, the gazebo. We stood there for an hour, uh, hanging onto the gazebo, chatting away because the wind was picking up all the time, while Sarah drove into our local town, went to a car shop and bought four of these huge big ratchet luggage straps and some big skewers, these big corkscrews that you put dog leads on. Um, and when she came back, we skewered it into the ground and ratcheted up or ratcheted down, I suppose, our gazebo. And you'll be pleased to hear it survived the entire weekend without incident, which is a lot more than could be said for a lot of the other exhibitors. Uh, their gazebos disappeared off across the fields. And I kid you not, there was there was one gazebo. Uh, I looked at it and the guy was just holding a pile of sticks. That's all that was left, a pile of aluminium sticks. Um, so we, we did pretty well. And it's a good lesson in take advice, even if they don't know they're giving you advice, uh, take advice from the people around you. Uh, so it was a bit of a washout. There wasn't an awful lot of footfall compared to years gone by, uh, which was a shame because obviously we've paid to be there as an exhibitor. And we're just drumming up business. Uh, and it's the first time we've ever done it. However, we did sell twice as many vouchers as I thought we would. Each voucher is a shoot and a small frame. Um, we're selling them this time around. We sold them at a discounted rate so that when people came in, uh, it was an enticement for them to commit. Because once they've come and we've shown them what we can do with the pictures, it's very hard to say no. So even though they're coming in on an offer, which is what we had, we should then convert them um, into pretty good sales. And I'll keep you posted on to how that goes over the coming weeks. We had our first shoot came in today uh, from that. Uh, so that was that was uh, what we did before the cruise. This week, uh, well, this week I started by tidying up my desk, or tidying up my desk a little bit. Um, 
Now, one of the things we've struggled with, or I've struggled with, is finding the time to film for Mastering Portrait Photography, the website. Because every time I do it, we have to re-rig, I have to reset everything, and I just can't face the effort. So what I've done is I've rigged it, I've gone back to my old days uh, working in the music industry, and I've built a rack, uh, a, a, a rack mount all the way along the side that has everything bolted to it. The audio, the lighting, uh, the cameras, everything now is bolted down. Uh, the Velcro uh, cable ties arrived this evening um, on an Amazon van. So I'm going to bolt a tie, cable tie everything down, bolt it down, which hopefully will just make everything neater and tidier and easier. Uh, to record things like the image critiques and the Photoshop shorts videos uh, and with a little bit of luck I will now find some time uh, to get those up and onto to the website so that was kind of nice I'm kind of happy about that <laughs> we'll see how we go um, and you never know I might even film some of the podcasts I'm sitting here looking straight into the face of my Nikon D4 which I use as my video camera uh, and if I can just mount my auto cue onto it uh, then that should make for, hopefully, something that I can put onto YouTube that's a bit more interesting. Those of you who listen to the podcast on YouTube, I'm really sorry that there's no visuals on there at the moment. Uh, maybe I have found a way of fixing that. Uh, the rest of this week, we've had 10 shoots. Uh, so that was nine portraits and one hearing dog shoot. Uh, hearing dogs update. Oh, it's amazing. So I've been working at the hearing dogs for eight years. Uh, so more or less, I go in once a week, uh, take pictures of the dogs or pictures of the people, we rig a little studio up in, in their meeting room, but their meeting room has had this horrible old carpet in it for as long as I can remember. Uh, ever since I've been there, it's always smelly. The dogs have peed on it, you know, that kind of thing. And no matter how much you try to scrub it, it's still in there. So these last this last year or so, it's been bad enough that I always wear old clothes to go and do the shoot. And then when I come back here uh, on a Thursday afternoon after I've been down there, I change into clean clothes because everything just smells. Uh, but uh, some people very kindly have uh, donated some money into the hearing dogs and we'll go into that story in here uh, and they asked what I wanted and I said well one of the things that would be really nice would be if we could have <laughs> a nice clean hard floor for two reasons one we can keep it clean and sterile and two I can now take down my white vinyl flooring which uh, we use with the um, Lastalite highlight to get those clean white um, images up until this point, and that's eight years of shooting, the background, or the flooring rather, the vinyl flooring has always been kind of wavy because there's been no way of taping it down. The, the gaffer tape simply won't stick to this old carpet. And then this week, oh, it was lovely. There's a nice, clean, hard floor. The walls have all been painted a really nice. It's not white, it's an off-white, a nice, cool off-white. They've put really beautiful, gentle, um, uh, translucent blinds into the windows and blackout blinds if I want them. Uh, so suddenly I've got this fantastic uh, space in which to take photographs of the dogs. I mean, we've survived for eight years, uh, but it is it was a real luxury. Um, also bought some new triggers for the lights down there. So uh, it's really nice, isn't it? When you renew a little bit of kit, you get a renewed energy. It won't last, of course it won't. We'll be back to the same old, same old. But uh, it's really, really lovely to be down there just at the moment creating these pictures. Uh, we've had a couple of reveals this week. It's always lovely. Uh, some beautiful families have been in, seeing their pictures, choosing their pictures. And the frame designs that I saw up on the screens are going to look absolutely stunning when they're eventually converted. We had one... Uh, we do here... We... we um, when a client comes and picks up their frame, we have it on an easel, it's lit, so they can come in and get excited about it, and we get excited about it. We see these beautiful frames up there um, under the spotlights. Uh, however, one client spent so long not coming in to pick it up, they kept 
postponing for various reasons. They couldn't get the right car. That uh, We've had one of their frames up on this easel and every client that's come in to, sit, to have a shoot has gone, oh my goodness, I want a frame just like that one. Uh, so guess what we're going to do? We're going to keep one of those frames permanently on that easel uh, when even when there's not a pickup. And when there is a pickup, we'll switch it out. Because then, of course, the clients are doing exactly what they've done all week. Going, oh, that's exactly what I want. Uh, a nice lesson in uh, selling that we picked up accidentally because it literally was just a frame on an easel uh, waiting to be picked up. I also had a couple of wedding pitches. I'll let you know if I've won those. I think I have won one. Uh, the other one yet to confirm, but you never know your luck. Uh, we might get two for two. Uh, and then on Saturday night, went up to Rugby, uh, which is a town uh, in the Midlands in, in England, uh, to watch a fireworks display. It just so happens one of our best friends also happens to be one of the best fireworks display designers working in the UK at the moment. Uh, ben Morley uh, and Yolanda and the team at Halo FX. Uh, ben has a gift uh, for creating fireworks displays that is just oh, off the top of the scale. He's an amazing guy. Uh, real talent for it. Um, it was cold. It was wet. Uh, our son Jake spent the day rigging up there, so he looked pretty damp by the time we caught up with him, but still pretty happy, still grinning. Uh, it was cold and wet, but stunning. And I did, I have to admit, took the decision not to take a camera so I could actually enjoy being out and about, enjoy the show, enjoy the fireworks, enjoy the atmosphere and enjoy being around uh, my friends and our family. And it was just wonderful, a brilliant, uh, brilliant night. Right, so on to actually the subject of this week's podcast. Now, this occurred to me, I was lying in the dirt taking it was a family shoot but I'm lying in the dirt taking a picture and it suddenly occurred to me why <laughs> why why am I lying here taking this flipping picture this picture's not going anywhere there's no reason for taking this picture I'm doing it because out of a force of habit I'm exploring whether to take this picture but I hadn't got a why and I think it was kind of a force of habit so I'm lying in there and it suddenly it just honestly it's it came straight across me why and so I thought it'd be interesting to explore that because I do think in this day and age with digital cameras and iPhones and things, we just take the picture as a force of habit. Take another one. Take another one. Take another one. And watching all the tourists in Athens uh, when we were out there working on the cruise, you could see exactly this happening. I should write to Apple or Google or Amazon or Microsoft. I don't care who. Someone who deals in AI who can tag the AI onto the camera. And so the camera simply says, don't bother. That photo is crap. Don't bother. Or don't bother. You've already taken 10 selfies today. You don't need any more. People get into the idea that habitually they're going to keep taking pictures, but there's no reason for it. And you have to think about why. If you're a professional photographer, every time you hit the button, there's a cost. There's a cost in time and there's a physical cost because shutters on cameras have a limited lifespan. Now, I know it'll be slightly different with mirrorless, but even things like the aperture actuators in a lens have a limit. They, they break. You know, I've just had two lenses serviced at the price of 700 quid because uh, both of them, the apertures in the end, the diaphragms, uh, they're older lenses and the diaphragms collapsed uh, and they needed replacing. So there is a physical cost when you're running a business as well as the time cost of going through the images, backing up the images, making your selections. So if you don't know why you're taking a picture, there's something slightly off. 
And in this particular instance, I had no idea. Uh, perhaps it was habit. Perhaps I was trying to invent something. I, I really can't remember. There must have been something. I'm not usually one just for pointing the camera and praying. Um, but I it, really, I was just lying in the mud, getting wet, getting damp, being uncomfortable for no good reason. And I think we can slip into that. And so I thought we'd talk about that just a little bit in this podcast. And I think you need primarily to slow down. I know I need to slow down. I need to think. I need to take the time to actually think, why am I taking this picture? What is it? And so what I was going to say is to everyone out there, every time you stage a picture up, think about what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. So let's explore some of the reasons. Now, the best reason, if you're going to take a picture, is because there's great light. Now, obviously, all of these all of these reasons are in the context of having clients I don't do an awful lot of photography just for the sheer joy of it anymore. Luckily, I love what I do and having a face in front of my camera, a a client's face in front of my camera is every bit as exciting as it used to be when I did it just as a hobby. Um, So if I've got a client, then obviously I'm being paid to generate images. But the moment I'm pressing that button, why am I pressing that button? It might be great light. It might be I found that beautiful patch of light. It's rendering the eyes. If there's, there's those catch lights in the eyes. It's dishing them beautifully so the underneath the iris is all sparkly and lovely. There's The modelling on the face is perfect so that person looks the very best they can. Everything about the light is perfect. That's a good reason to take that picture. Maybe it's a great moment. Uh, when I was shooting a couple, I did an engagement shoot yesterday. And um, the couple were slightly nervous, and so I had to generate the atmosphere myself. I had I had to inject the energy, and because this the thought of this particular topic came to me a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I was thinking yesterday about why the brief was quite clear. They want to have a picture that they can have guests at their wedding sign. They'd seen one we've done previously. They want one of those. Although we don't do these kinds of shoots very much anymore. They used to be our norm, they're not not now. Uh, but they'd seen it and they'd wanted it and we said, yes, of course, we'll include one for you, it's good fun. So every time I hit the button, there was only a handful of reasons why I would do it. Uh, one of those is a great moment and I had to create those moments. So I'd put the couple together and then, I don't know, I'd, either I'd be laughing or they'd be giggling or I'd say something like, you know, I say to the to the uh, bride to be go on say the dirtiest thing you can possibly imagine into his ear, <laughs> which I'm assuming she did. Uh, she might have been saying this photographer's a jerk, but either way he laughed. And those moments, those split seconds, they're great moments, um, and they are going to be almost certainly what end up in the frame. So that's a great reason why. Um, sometimes it might be you see an interesting composition. Um, maybe you see shapes, maybe I've seen a doorway um, or a bench or an alleyway and I'm just thinking there's a great interesting composition there, let's work that, let's create something uh, that's beyond the norm, let's not just do point and shoot, let's just create something, a really interesting composition, leading lines, maybe uh, today I did a shoot this morning and I'm yet again lying in a gutter uh, with the camera buried deep down into the curbstones to try and get a leading line round to my subject. You know, there's although it sounds similar, you know, I'm lying there, but this time I'm not thinking, why am I doing this? I'm thinking I know exactly why I'm doing this. This is a great image, or at least at that moment, it's the best image that I can produce. Because there's another thing about the story arc of a shoot, which is not every image from the shoot can be the best image from the shoot. Only one image can be the best image from the shoot. But you do have to take enough images 
to get there. Now, I did a shoot a few months ago where literally shot one. And that was the best image of the shoot. I wasn't going to better it. I knew I wasn't going to better it. I tried to better it. Um, and I couldn't. It was just, I got everything right. And that's unusual. And what's really sad about that particular story is an aside, is the client won't give me the rights to, won't give me the uh, release to the images. So I can't use them publicly, although she loves them. A great client, lovely client, great shoot perfect frames. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the rights to, to push them out. Anyway, so during a shoot, you are trying all the time to create that best shot. So it could be interesting composition. And um, sometimes I will take a shot knowing damn well, the shot's no good, but I want a record of what I saw to come back to, if that makes sense. Sometimes that client doesn't suit that shot. The light doesn't suit that shot. The moment doesn't suit that shot. There are a lot of reasons why that shot is, is absolutely headed for the bin. But I know that if I don't take it, I'll forget. And so sometimes I'll do it as a sketch to come back to at a later date. Uh, sometimes I'll do it just for the laughter. I've written down here in my notes, laughter. But what I'm actually saying is I've done it for the performance aspect. Uh, a great example of this would be when I'm photographing someone in front of me and in my screen, the screens on the Nikons are pretty reflective and I can see what's going on behind me. And if I see someone messing around, I'll spin around and without adjusting even the settings, I'll take a quick clip shot of whatever I see. So if I'm photographing, I don't know, Maybe I'm photographing a parent and behind me I see a brother and a sister messing around or maybe a girlfriend and a boyfriend kissing. I'll turn around really quickly and clip the shot. I'm not really taking a shot that's of any use because almost by definition the light that's at 180 degrees behind me is unlikely to be as beautiful as the light that I'm actually using. But what I'm actually doing is performing to my client. I'm creating the atmosphere. I've hit the button simply because I know it'll make them laugh. I know the shot's no good, but the why in that instance is a performance aspect. Sometimes um, the why is to help a client relax. You know, you've had those clients where they're really nervous and you know for the first 20 minutes of a shoot, you're really battling it out. I have a shoot going through at the moment where you can see it in her eyes. The first 20 minutes of the shoot, the images are fine, but the expressions are not. She's still learning to relax and I'm still learning the language that's going to help her do that. But I can't do that without a camera. Actually, that's not true. You can do it without a camera, but the minute you then pick up the camera, you could find yourself going backwards because now you're actually taking pictures. So I will use the camera so in a way of trying to get her familiarised with it. So I'll take the photographs. I'm working through it, but I know... I'm going to bin these shots, or Sarah, when she goes through the selection, may well uh, bin these shots. So I'm actually just doing it to put someone at ease, <laughs> grinding them down, you know, taking pictures, talking to her, or talking to him or her or them, um, talking about light, and I'm talking about angles and what looks great for them, and I'm really excited about the shoot, and I think this shot's got legs, and can't wait to come back to this in an outfit later, because I think it'll look great in the darker outfit that you showed me. And all I'm really doing is just gently getting them to relax in front of the camera. Uh, sometimes it's just a beautiful subject. You know, that's a great why. That's probably my favourite why. That and the great light. You've got someone in front of you who I just like. 
Sometimes I like people because of their character. Sometimes I like people because physically they're just interesting to photograph or beautiful to photograph. Uh, but that, of course, is a wonderful thing as a portrait photographer. When you point the camera or you get someone in this location, you point the camera and you just know, you just know that's going to be an amazing picture for that person and possibly for me too. Uh, I love those moments. Um, now, obviously, as a business, you need to be thinking about the end game. And so sometimes the why is because I need a double page spread for an album, I need a cover for an album, I need a closing page for an album, um, or maybe I need to complete the images for a frame triptych or one of these multi-aperture um, frames that we sell quite a lot of. And I know uh, that I've got to do that. Uh, so in my head, I'm constantly ticking off um, all of the things I've done. So for instance, if I know a client has seen um, the frames on our wall and has hinted that they might like um, a multi-aperture image, a multi-image frame or a multi-aperture frame or a multi-frame, whatever you want to call these things, where in one of our designs we have 11 images in a very big frame. Uh, they're not necessarily, you know, as a graphic designer, I'd like three or five or nine, um, or I'd like, you know, one huge frame. But the reality is that when you have, when you do family portraiture, capturing lots of those little moments and putting them all together in one frame is usually the most beautiful way of doing it. It's something they'll always look at, will always make them smile. But I've got to remember that in each segment of the shoot, I have to have created enough images to make that possible. So for us, we the way I structure my shoots here at the studio is we nearly always start out in the garden. Um, we nearly always put an outfit change in there somewhere and we nearly always do about half of it in the studio. Now, if they've hinted towards wanting one of these multi-frames, these multi-image frames, I've got to make sure there are enough images in each segment outdoors or studio to build one because when you mix studio and outdoors they don't look quite as good so I know sometimes the why for me is just making sure I've got all my bases covered so that later down the line Sarah or Michelle in the studio is not hindered in the sales room because I couldn't be bothered <laughs> to take the shots it has happened it does happen uh, and it's always frustrating when we have a really good client um, who would really like one of these frames and I just haven't shot enough so that's a very good why building your products, building your albums, or building your frames. So Sarah, for instance, with albums, if I shoot uh, a wedding um, or some portrait shoots, she will very often ask me to make sure I get a good closing image. So at a wedding, that might be a nighttime shot of a couple kissing under the stars or in front of the venue, or if um, you know they're dancing the night away, it might just be a really beautiful nighttime shot of a venue stuff the camera on a tripod, two-minute exposure, you know, those really big, beautiful, sparkly light shots that just close an album out well. And you need those. You need a title page, for instance, whether it's a ring shot or whether it's a venue shot, doesn't really matter, whatever is your thing. Um, and you do have to think like that. That is another why. Why am I taking it? Because if I don't, I won't have a great way of closing out the album. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's evening up the score. Uh, so sometimes the why is, um, I know I've taken 25 shots of little Timmy, I now need to take 25 shots of little Tracy. Um, because you need to have, in the final mix, an equal number of images of all of the people at the shoot, usually. Not always, but usually. I know that's always frustrating when, you know, one child or one um, 
of your subjects is much more comfortable in front of the camera than the others and so it's much easier uh, but nonetheless I do sometimes find myself shooting right I know I've got really good shots of you I'm now gonna have to of you know child a uh, I'm now gonna have to really concentrate and really nail some balancing shots of the other kids um, or other people within the group so that's another reason why and then the final one I've just noted down here is just fulfilling the brief sometimes it's as simple as we need this shot get the shot uh, don't really care whether you're lying in a ditch or not um, that's a little bit obtuse but that does happen occasionally when um, if I know I'm shooting for a magazine cover or I'm shooting for a promo or I'm shooting for um, you know campaign of some sort then I know that there's one particular shot they have to get now very often I'll go through some of the other shots to relax the client because some of the light just the light occurred to me that I could see these great I could see great subject light I could see um, a moment I could see some interesting composition I might take those shots I might sketch with the camera but in the end I have got to do what it was the client asked for that's not as common with me because I'm not I don't do as much commercial work as I do uh, social portraiture uh, where generally you get a much freer reign uh, but when that does happen of course fulfill the brief and so whatever the reason is, whatever reasons you have, don't just point the camera out of habit. Don't wave it around and just take pictures because you don't know what else to do. If it's not a great picture, don't take it. Unless there's a why. Unless you're doing it to relax the client, etc, etc, etc. Don't take the picture. You're stressing yourself. You're stressing the kit. You're stressing your storage. Don't do it. Whatever the reason is, make sure you have a why. So on that happy note, I hope that was useful or interesting. Um, I've no idea. I've, got, I've had some really lovely emails this week, actually, about uh, the podcast. Thank you for those. Please do email in. It does make me smile. And it's really nice to know there are people out there listening to this stuff. Uh, there was it, The emails were along the lines of it's really nice to hear insights into uh, what goes on in a you know successful portrait studio. And maybe that's why I told you the story about forgetting names, because people forget... I suppose when you get you get to a point and everyone thinks it's really easy and you have it's all people say things like to me it's all right for you <laughs> so maybe sharing some of my weaknesses and scars and um, paranoias and all the rest of it maybe that's helpful I don't know either way whatever it is thank you for your emails uh, please do subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts hop on in there and, and subscribe and please do leave us a review or if you can I know on iTunes we can't respond uh, which drives me crazy but trust me uh, we really do read all of them of course if you'd like to email me um, with whatever it is you've written on iTunes I will respond to you directly uh, my email is paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk that's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk can't even say it put some teeth in um, uh, if there's any subjects you'd like to uh, chat about then please also email those in that would be really nice of you of course do hop across to masteringportraitphotography.com uh, i've just put up the latest image critique on there um, some really nice images uh, to go and have a look at the critiques are quite a general thing they're not really just for that author they're merely me going through things that i really like about an image things that are effective uh, and things that if you had the opportunity again you could change there's something in there for everybody um, we are still working on some new videos which would be great also if you get a chance pick up uh, nphoto magazine uh, or profoto magazine we've got articles in both of those two 
just at the moment uh, with Pro Photo. It's all about photography techniques, which is great fun to do, and all of our diagrams and things. Uh, with N Photo, it's all about business, uh, purely about the business of portrait photography. Uh, both of those are good fun. Sarah Plate has written some wonderful art- articles uh, based around the stuff that uh, I do here at the studio. So it's great working with her, uh, as always. So on that happy note, I hope this has been fun. Uh, and until next time, remember, be kind to yourself. Take care.